No helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I've never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a <laughs> How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. And I, yeah. I hope the swag bag. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. What's happening, folks? Welcome back. Beltway Golfer Podcast, episode 61. Your host, Alex Dixon here. Hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving and long holiday weekend. I know I did. Stayed local with my folks uh, just across the river from where I'm recording this in Arlington, Virginia. They are in Montgomery County, Maryland, where I grew up just outside the D.C. Beltway. So I went there for Thanksgiving. Had my brother's family come into town who, who reside on the other side of the country in Portland, Oregon. Uh, so stayed local, didn't have to travel, which I prefer, but had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Hope you did as well. I've gotten really into um, the World Cup the last few days, spending there last week, I should say. I'm recording this on Saturday, November 26th. Excited about the U.S. draw against England, hoping they can pull out a win versus Iran and get out of the group stage. I'm into it. Not the world's biggest soccer guy, but I've been watching this World Cup, waking up early. Not quite at 5 a.m., but uh, catching the end of the 5 a.m. matches almost every morning and uh, watching as much as I can. I love it. I'm into it. So go U.S. Hope they, hope they can do something in the, in, the, in the next stage, get out of the group stage. Our guest for this episode is Ryan Carmen, who just recently got promoted to lead the golf division for Fairfax County Park Authority. The Fairfax County Park Authority, or FCPA, manages seven golf courses. It was fun to get to chat with Ryan and kind of pick his brain about how things work within the Fairfax County Park Authority and how they get things done, how they prioritize projects and needs throughout the seven golf courses, and what are his plans in the coming years for all these different properties. Ryan was the general manager at Laurel Hill for quite some time. I think he says six years in our conversation um, and just got to know him in the last couple of years. And he was uh, very forthcoming with a lot of information and uh, put up with some of my needling questions. So I appreciate it. He was a great guest. Hope everybody enjoys it. A couple other things, getting ready to put out the latest Bellway Golfer newsletter for November. If you haven't signed up yet, shoot me an email or a message, I should say, shoot me your email, either through bellwaygolfer.com, any social media platform, shoot me an email, text message, I'll get you on the newsletter list, or better yet, just go to bellwaygolfer.com, click on newsletter, and you can enter your email address there, and I'll get you on the monthly newsletter list that has all the latest related to Bellway Golfer, as well as news and the latest goings on throughout golf and the golf industry in the DMV and the Mid-Atlantic. So sign up. It's a monthly newsletter and it's free. What else is going on? I haven't, I've only mentioned it once, I think, maybe more than once, but I want to make sure everyone's aware that I'm also hosting a podcast for the National Links Trust. I've gotten three under my belt now. So go over to National Links Trust org or look up their podcast at any of the major uh, podcast platforms, likely the same one that you're listening to this Bellway Golfer podcast on. But I've got three under my belt over there, having a lot of fun with it, just getting really going. It's allowing me to interview folks that are beyond just the DMV. 
um, that have some tie to municipal golf, but also on a national level. So if you like this podcast, if you're not familiar with the National Links Trust, if you are familiar with the National Links Trust, go check out their podcast and let me know what you think. Lastly, I got some new gear getting ready to come out. I just put out some some new tees that we made, famous swings from uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Chief Ike, Dwight Eisenhower, and JFK, available in the pro shop. But I got some new hats on the way, sweatshirts, uh, some new vintage stuff. So sign up for the newsletter. If you're not following on Instagram, that's our, our primary social media account where we announce some of the stuff. So take a look or just check out beltwaygolfer.com and click on the pro shop great way to support what's going on here with the podcast and beltway golfer in general let's get to the conversation episode 61 of the beltway golfer podcast with ryan carmen the director of golf for the fairfax county park authority we are out here at pinecrest golf course on the little river turnpike sitting with ryan carmen why don't you tell us what is, what is your job title now, your new job title? Yeah, so uh, division director for the, uh, for the golf division with Fairfax County Park Authority, the working title being director of golf. You just got appointed this role like just a few weeks ago. I did, yeah. So it was kind of a work in progress. So I, to go down a rabbit hole a little bit, was uh, moved to D.C., the Northern Virginia, six and a half years ago for the GM job at Laurel Hill. Um, and as the years went on, there was a position potentially being created that was going to be the assistant director of golf because that never had existed before, um, partially in, in, um, to do with the, the boom of golf and how busy everyone was getting. So the, the director of golf needed some assistance in managing the seven golf courses, uh, both from the operation side and the, the turf side. So the assistant director of golf position was created. I applied. I got it. That was back in February of this year. Um, and then soon thereafter, my boss um, took a better position in, uh, in the Midwest. So I rolled into the acting director of golf role while my boss put out the, the job and advertised it to get it filled. Um, so then I applied and went through the interview process and ended up getting it uh, about two weeks ago. Got it. So um, I was. So you just said. So how, how many years did that put you as GM of Laurel Hill? Basically six years. Six years. Six years. Um, so that must have been a heck of experience. And just so folks know, so you've been in golf for a while. GMing Laurel Hill wasn't necessarily your first job. But it wasn't. No, okay. it's. I've been doing this for more or less twenty years. Um, you know, starting from working at the pro shop counter to events to um, operations manager, assistant director of golf, director of golf. Um, Had you worked at other municipal facilities? Municipal in a way. Um, so dating back to my internship, uh, if we want to go all the way back to 19, no, 2002, I graduated from Slippery Rock University or was okay. on the brink of graduating from Slippery Rock. My last uh, semester was an internship for the whole semester, an internship. So I got an internship actually with Major League Soccer. I wanted oh, right. to just get into soccer. That was it. That was your thing. So I got an internship with Tampa Bay Mutiny down in Tampa at cool. Raymond James Stadium where the Buccaneers play. I was their home field. Yeah. I'm not a huge MLS guy. Is that still a team? So that's where it gets interesting. <laughs> okay. That's a, you skip to the end. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Rewind. So, uh, drive from Pittsburgh, which born and raised. Drive to Pittsburgh, uh, down to Tampa. Go in for my first day. You know, I see this as my first day of my career, you know, yeah. my internship. That's the start of, of a career is what I was thinking. So walked into the office at the stadium and everyone was packing up their 
their desks. What had happened previously leading up to that was every team was owned by MLS. There were no individual owners. I remember that. So the MLS you know, created an initiative where they wanted all these teams to find owners. Tampa couldn't find an owner. Mm. So they got, the word they used was they got contracted from the league. They ceased to exist. No one told me. This was an unpaid internship. That's <laughs> hilarious. driving down for. So right around the corner, literally, was Tampa Sports Authority, that also in the stadium. And they managed the stadium and three municipal golf courses. Oh, interesting. So they knew an intern was coming down, and they knew that I was going to walk through those doors at some point. So they were kind of waiting for just some dude to walk in uh, asking them for an internship because of what happened next door. Oh, interesting. So I just met a gentleman. So it's interesting. You and I, I don't know if it's where we met. I think we met prior, but uh, we chatted a while at last year's National Links Trust Symposium. It's more or less where we met. Yeah, yeah. Symposium in Municipal Golf. Yep. But at this year's symposium, I met, met a gentleman, and I, I can look it up. His name's escaping me right now, who is now that he works for at PGA headquarters, but he's the head of yep. the PGA Reach organization yep. whose prior role was running the Tampa Bay municipal yep. golf courses. Yeah, I'm trying to blank on his name too, but I think he was there, but at one of the golf courses. Okay. That, uh, Sims? Yes, Kenny Sims. Kenny Sims. Yep. Yep. There you go. We've gone back and forth on LinkedIn a few times, but he didn't remember me. I vaguely remembered him, but uh, I was just a little, you know, a, a, a little intern running around. So, um, but yeah, it's a small world. Sure. So then from there, ironically, Halfway through that internship, um, I got a job at Reston. So I moved from Tampa to Reston as the event manager and then quickly realized I couldn't afford to live in Northern Virginia getting paid $12 an hour. So I moved back to Pittsburgh, uh, jumped around a little bit, and then ended up finding a job at a golf course, a little family-owned golf course that actually had ties to Arnie Palmer um, and was there for almost six Six years, four, five, six years. I don't remember exactly. But that's really where I got my, you know, kind of, you know, grinded my teeth and or whatever that phrase is. Sure. Um, and, you know, learned every aspect of the golf operation. Um, and then from there, I realized there was just no ladder to climb. So uh, I moved up to uh, a resort in the, the, the uh, mountains of Western PA, um, you know, 36 hole operation, two pro shops, teaching academy. Um, and, and, Again, kind of took a step back, went back to just working the pro shop mm-hmm. because I knew there was a ladder to climb there, which is sure. why I went there. So yeah. uh, worked in the pro shop, then supervisor, then operations manager, then director of golf. And then um, life happens. And, and we ended up in Northern Virginia another six years later. Um, so I guess it's every it's, you know, for sure. me, it's every six years I'm finding a new job. But, Interesting. Um, uh, so Laurel, I mean, Laurel Hill, that's 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 a big job. It was. Uh, I, I didn't realize the. When I took the job and moved down here, I honestly didn't realize what Laurel Hill was until I really got there and learned about the USGA and the national ranking. Mm-hmm. And um, so it it was kind of an eye opener when I walked through that front door the first day. But oh, clearly, I'm glad my wife and I made this move down here because it's worked out. Yeah. Um, so now you're the director of golf for for Fairfax County. So what, how, what is the, the proper name? The, the Fairfax County Park Authority? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, seven courses. Uh, I think a lot of the cover. I mean, I want to talk about all seven of them a little bit. Okay. But I think Laurel Hill, is, there's probably the most to talk about, especially the fact that you were, I mean, regardless of the fact that you were there right. for six years, but essentially because you were there for six years. Um, so, I mean, for, for folks that, I think most people listening to this will probably be quite familiar with Laurel Hill, but if you're not, I mean, it's, 
um, really the jewel of the seven courses for the county. For sure. Um, you know, a high-end public facility that, you know, when they built it, that was, you know, the, the, the goal was to build a high-end facility that can attract tournaments and, and so on and so forth. And they did it on the um, on the grounds of the old Lord and Prison, the old which, jail site. which you can go back to another one of these podcasts where we talked yeah. to, to Josh Stevie, who wrote a wrote a great article in uh, an early uh, er, early, early golfers journal about the whole history of the property. So so going there, you know, you so you you say you weren't familiar with like the the, the history of the pub links and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's it's got. I mean, I have to imagine it's got to be the busiest of the seven courses. You'd be surprised. So. Yes, Laurel Hill is the pinnacle of Fairfax County golf, but the other six courses, uh, but they're, you know, Pinecrest, a nine-hole golf course where we're at today with the track man behind us, uh, Jefferson District out in Falls Church, another nine holes, uh, Greendale, an 18-hole course in Alexandria, Twin Lakes in Clifton, which is 36 holes, um, and Burke Lake and Oakmar, which are driving ranges with par three courses. The driving ranges, they're the cash cows. They are the right. highest revenue-generating sites that we have, or, yeah, more or less. Um, but, I mean, every course we have, even pre-pandemic, just, it's just busy. They're, we have golf for everybody, no matter right. the skill level. So, yes, Laurel Hill is the pinnacle, and that's the goal, yeah. is to play Laurel Hill. But these other courses are just tremendous, and you see it everywhere, you know, on Instagram and, and wherever it is that these little nine-holers, yeah. when they're getting – so much traction just across the country sure. that it's a quick nine, it's a fun nine, it's it's a relatively inexpensive nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, Laurel Hill will always be the pinnacle, but these other courses get just as much of attention from, you know, golfers in Fairfax County. And across the country, you know, th- this kind of model of golf that yeah. um, you just go back to these short course ideas that are popping up left and right. Sure. Um, Speaking of that. <laughs> Yeah, is, still, is but, that is that a possibility? So there 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 have been, there have been rumors, and I can't remember. I, 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 quite frankly, I can't remember. And that same podcast with Josh Stevie, we also talked with the, one of the architects of Laurel Hill, Brian Kington. Yeah. And I can't remember if he said it on camera or off camera, but he mentioned the possibility of Laurel Hill adding a short course. Yeah, it's still very much a possibility. Not in the next, you know, not next year, not two years from now. Maybe four, five, six, seven years. Um, that trend is never going away. Like initially. I mean, we wanted to get it built as soon as possible, be one of the first municipal golf courses to have a short course. But as the time has gone by, and we realize that this trend is never going away. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, having the first municipal short course won't be, you know, we won't be able to hang our cap on that. But, oh, it's for sure. I'm very confident it will happen. And it'll be, if anyone's familiar, it'll be on the other side of the irrigation pond which is right next to 16 Green. Mm-hmm. There's just that barren piece of land out there, which is just absolutely perfect for a little nine-hole uh, short course. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. So still in the works, but nothing nothing impending. Nah. Got it. <clears throat> I'm guessing, so what, it's 2020, almost 2023. Probably 26, 27 would be a rough guess. Okay. If it were to happen. It will happen. If it, yeah. When it will happen. But you say that, that you know, that might, that, you know, Trying to be the first municipal with a short course, you've got some short courses. I mean, let's talk well, about Ber- Ber- Burke Lake. <laughs> Burke Lake, in, in, Ber- in Burke Park, Lake which is a rare. I mean, most par three courses are nine holes. Right. There's not. I, I mean, I'm sure there's others, but there's there's not a ton of eighteen hole right. par three courses, which is pretty cool. Yeah, Burke Lake in itself is a unique um, experience. With you know, within the past, I think it's about five years now, the, the driving range. 
the double decker was renovated, brand new club, and it was just bulldozed and, re- and built right back up. Um, and they do a, a very good business out there with lessons, and their driving range is bananas. They're, you know, it's impossible to get a, a good problem to have, impossible to get a tee time, which actually is at all of our courses yeah. uh, currently much. That's like, just the state, across, of, the state yeah, of golf uh, right That's now. not bragging. That's everyone. <laughs> right. um, but, yeah, and then Oak Bar out in, um, uh, where's Oak Bar? Oakton. Oakton, right. Um, <laughs> same thing, double-decker, huge putting green. Um, it was a huge, you know, it was one of those big putting greens before it was mm-hmm. uh, a trend to have a big putting green. What do they call those? The uh, avalanche? Uh, uh, no, Himalayas. Himalayas. Yeah. It was that before that was even a thing. Right. Um, and then their nine hole par three golf course. So yeah. you know, we, you're right. We do have <laughs> short courses, just yeah. not in the new trendy yeah, right, sense. Right, 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 right. So let, well, let's talk about Burke Lake for a second. I'm sure we're going to bounce around here in the, uh, between the courses and as, as things pop up. But, you know, so the, this was obviously before your, your time here, but it was while you were uh, at Laurel Hill, Burke Lake did these renovations. Like you said, bulldozed the clubhouse. They didn't bulldoze the range. They just added a second yeah. They added a second deck? Is that what they did? I actually don't remember if they – I feel like it always had a second deck. I actually oh, did it? Know. I can't remember. But they, they renovated they the range. They renovated it all. Yeah. yeah. So, my, so what I'm going – well, a couple questions related to that is, one, I'm just kind of curious what the impact – of that renovation has been um, on on the county um, and on just the facility, but then like, because the larger question that I'm sure people will be curious about is kind of just like, especially a, a municipal organization or municipality, I should say, like, how do you decide, like, you know, how do you decide where, where when to renovate, where right. to renovate, what to renovate? You know, there's probably you could you could make an argument to that that you know they all could use some improvement somewhere. Yeah, like, how, yeah, like how are those decisions made, and like why was Burke Lake d- decided yeah. to have such a huge renovation? I'm still learning that side of it. Okay. To be very honest, a lot of it has to do with bonds, which at the time <clears throat> leading previously it was a four year process, so it more or less ran with the presidential election, uh, which is just coincidental, but. Um, it gets put to vote, and there's a certain amount of monies that are on the back end that are put towards a project. Like the most current one is the uh, Laurel Hill just went through an irrigation project, okay. about a $1.5 million irrigation project, and that was on the 2020 bond. Okay. So those monies got shifted, you know, eventually got voted on and approved by the county or Fairfax County residents. So that money got shifted over to Laurel Hill, and that was able to fund the irrigation project. Um, I would imagine that's what happened with the Burke Lake project as well. I would imagine it was probably a bond thing, yeah. um, which is where a lot of the bigger projects funding comes from. Got it. Uh, so like, to, so put, that, to make it tangible for what we were talking about a minute ago, like, let's say hypothetically the short course at Laurel Hill. That's exactly what it will so be. We're, let's, like, let's pretend you were shooting for 2026. You, you said that. That's what more. it'll be now. So, so, the, the, so does that mean, like, like, how does that, so like in 2024, you'll have meetings to try to get in the budget for the next. To get it oh, on the bond. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly. So it was a four-year thing. Now it's a six-year thing, which kind of hurt us because we were shooting for a 2024. Yeah. So now it's, it would be 2026. And then once it gets all approved and voted on and, and, those, and then eventually those monies shifted back again to Laurel Hill, then the architects come in and start doing the legwork and get into permitting. And that in itself, I believe, is close to a one-year project, just okay. the admin work. Yeah. And then construction would be a fairly quick 
uh, process, there won't be a lot of dirt to move. Right. I mean, that land is just there and ready to just be built. How does the process work, like, to decide what should be decided to go to that bond? Like, you know. Well, eventually at some point, I'm guessing that the executive director or the director's office of the park authority will jump around from division to division asking, all right, do you have any big projects coming got up? It. Like right now, you, I, would, I would imagine you've got a list uh, of, of possible projects. For sure. And, and and how to, how, like, like any golf course, really. Yeah. Well, like how, the, how to prioritize them, right. you know, you know, like, you know, okay, the short course at Laurel Hill 2026, what can we, what can we do, get done that's of a lesser budget that could get approved uh, yeah. in a shorter time and blah, 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 A blah, lot blah. of it isn't, a lot of the, the wish list items aren't sexy, if you will. A lot of mm-hmm. it's a lot just irrigation, just behind the scenes work that will, you know, long term uh, uh, improve the conditioning of the golf courses like Oakmar needs new irrigation. Burke Lake needs new irrigation. Pinecrest, where we're at today, their pond needs dredged. Yeah. That's some expensive stuff. Are those ones that are like are, are happening? Like, I was, My question was going to be, are, are there any of these projects that you can share beyond the short course idea of things that are Nothing. either happening or hoping to happen in the next I mean, three or four years? I mean, hoping to happen, the, the Oakmar irrigation, uh, and then uh, Greendale is... Um, going through some drainage issues, which I don't think is much of a secret. It's when it rains, they're clock path only for a week or so. I mean, it's Greendale, you said? Yeah. yeah, so that that project we're going through potentially a design, or I know we're going through first is a design plan, right. um, which got approved, and then from there it would be planning out the, or finding funding for and then planning out the actual digging of the dirt, and, you know, moving dirt and planning. So it's... Again, it's not sexy work where we're renovating greens or bunkers mm-hmm. or adding a hole here or a hole there. It's getting down and dirty and, and you know improving the condition of the golf course. Golf courses. You know, well, I, I guess my I'm also curious. Like, where, when does it become a big enough project where it's got to go through that process? Versus, like, my my question would be like like this room we're sitting in, like sure. the, like the Pinecrest um, uh, the simulator that we got. Like, is this a big enough project to have to go through that process, or is this? No. Is, is there any other monies allocated? There's other monies we can okay. find. It's yeah. it's just um, you know working with our our administrative dis- division and just posing the question. Hey, we see a need, or we see there's a trend happening, or we're getting a lot of requests from from our uh, you know golfers, and we just kind of start the conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know if if the monies, if they if they see a real they being the director's office or you know the the the, uh, the 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 bosses um if they see a real need for it then we work to to get it uh, but that's part of what i'm learning in this position again i was in my laurel hill bubble for six years so <laughs> that's the fun of learning how yeah. how the funding and all that stuff works within a within a municipality and a government agency yeah uh, but everyone so far uh are, you know the director's office and everyone are very supportive and understand what's happening in golf right now and that it's, it is not slowing down by any stretch so so speaking of that, do is there like when you have a couple of years like the last two or three years have been great for golf, <clears throat> when your revenues are up, does that give you more flexibility on how you spend your money, or is well, it still all got to go through regardless it, of how, how much money? Yeah, you're in, in a way. Um, so we're just one big company, if you will. So right. I mean, there's the, the park services division, there's the resource management division that all took a big hit during COVID. Um, and still are playing catch up. So golf is still, to a certain extent, supporting the park authority when we're the highest uh, revenue generating division currently. 
um, because of the boom in golf. So we, I don't want to say we profit share or whatever the word is, but mm-hmm. we're still kind of helping uh, the Park Authority as a whole catch up to what it was pre-pandemic. Got it. Okay. Um, so speaking of Laurel Hill, so Laurel Hill, another event that um, you brought me out to or, or you notified me of it that I ended up doing a podcast about um, was the, 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 the USDGA, United States Disabled Golfers Association. They had kind of a national championship, mm-hmm. did a podcast with their founder, Jason Fairchild. Yeah. Check that out. But it seems like Laurel Hill attracts some tournaments. You had a big golfer's journal event a few years ago. Um, obviously, the U.S. Publinks. Is that something that Laurel Hill, you know, going back, putting your GM cap on of Laurel Hill, like, is that something that, that they actively pursue, or is it more vice versa? People reach out to Laurel Hill? Or no, it's all- more actively. Um, and it, you know, I like to say it's an organically charged conversations or um, uh, decisions, but um, I will say, that the moment I got to Laurel Hill six years ago, my goal was to always get back a USGA event. So I've had several conversations, several site visits over the years. Uh, the most recent being, it, I guess this doesn't have to be secret, um, is they did a site visit about two months ago for the Adaptive Open, their newest one. Oh, nice. So they're at Pinehurst last year for the inaugural. They're at Pinehurst again this year, and they haven't actually... Um, uh, listed or decided who's going to be the third year and st- moving forward. So, um, you know, being that we did host the USDGA National Championship last June, we could, Laurel Hill was obviously able to host a large adaptive golfer event. Um, so that's why I reached out to USGA. Um, so they were. Have they decided that it's definitely not going to be at Pinehurst in two I, years? That I can't. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, uh, they they kind of keep it under their cap. Um, so, we, you know, they did the site visit. They took notes. We literally went from hole to hole, tee to green, mm. uh, through all 18 holes, you know, over, it was about a three, four hour uh, visit. Um, so now it's just, we just sit and wait and, yeah. and see what happens. Here's a question also related to Laurel Hill. So Laurel Hill, I believe, is the only of the seven courses that offers a membership. We do. Yeah, Laurel Hill does. Yes. And so my question for you, because I do get, I've gotten this time for, uh, over over the over the, just running like a you know a, a popular local golf social media account. I've had you know people chime in on either posts or or, or, or direct messages about how hard it is to get a tea, tea time out sure. there because of that. So my my question for you is, you know, is is that is that model working? Have you have you you know do do you do you hear from the general public about how hard it is to get a tee time? Is it does it get reviewed uh, periodically or just any any thoughts on that topic? I think it's yes to all of the questions you just asked. Um, <laughs> we did a pretty in depth review going into this past season um, because of golfers not being able to get tee times because golf got so busy and so popular so quick. Um, so we actually put a cap. So we have three memberships, a full membership, a weekday membership, and what we call a jailbreak membership, which is pretty much just evening. Um, and we put a cap on all of those because it was just getting. And that was new? That was new, so putting a cap on it. Um, and we quickly saw, with, with the hope that tea times would open up, mm-hmm. um, and it, it worked. Uh, more tea times became available, um, and we have seen more non-members playing Laurel Hill. Um, so, but that's not been able to, like, in the current environment we're in, mm. and, you know, as for as busy as golf is, people 
not been able to get tee times isn't necessarily currently because of the membership. It's because it just golf is so busy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it kind of compounds itself. Um, but we do see member rounds have gone down because we've capped it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but tee times are still at a premium because right. golf is still as popular as it has been since 2020. Yeah. Interesting. Those conversations that you have, hey, we, you know, we, we are a municipality. This is municipal golf. This is public golf. Trying to not go too far over the line that like one of our courses is almost private with a membership. Is leadership sensitive to that? Um, to a certain extent, I think. Or that's not a priority. It's. Man, you're asking a tough question. <laughs> I'm just. I guess my. I'm curious, and maybe it's just a little. That's not. That's not. I mean, a big, if I could be just plain, it's, sure. it's, it's. It's. It's whatever brings in the most revenue. It's easy money, right? Right. <laughs> and it's it's almost immediate retail uh, revenue. It's immediate food and beverage revenue, um, event revenue. I mean, these members are bringing their you know yeah. bringing charity events in. So it's it's. But let me let me let me phrase it a different way. Is the fact? Do you have to be careful because? This is, you know, it's, 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 it's taxpayer money. It's, it's a, municipal. It's a, it's well, muni- to a certain extent. Okay. So Educate. Laurel Hill in general is not funded by the residents. We are a, we, it's, it's its own business. Right. Okay. We, we, any, everything about that golf course is, is not, I guess I'm repeating, is not funded, is not county, is not tax funded. Yeah. Um, what the, what we, the revenue we bring in is covered or the expenses that we uh um expense is covered by our revenue we're not tax funded right i think that's the word sure uh but regardless it's still a public golf course so we are it's it's a double-edged sword it's we're juggling all the time is yes the members are gobbling up mostly the morning tea times seven days a week um when everyone wants to play mm-hmm. um so it's just it's it's it'll always i mean there's public offices across the country that have the same model yeah. every in fact every public are there a lot are there a lot of mun- i mean public yes well municipal, are there a lot of municipal courses down there? uh that i can't answer yeah. i would assume the high-end ones probably yeah probably interesting I mean, laurel, Hill, laurel Hill's probably in the upper echelon of high-end municipal golf courses you i would think. think so i mean yeah, yeah, i think the, in the highest or at the most popular Back when the USGA came and you know, had the USGA public links, that's when Laurel Hill was um, top 10 municipal courses in the country. Golf Digest, Golf Week, whichever one it mm-hmm. was, if not both. So, I mean, Torrey Pines, Chambers Bay, uh, TPC, uh, uh, Scottsdale, where they have the... the um, is that, is that that's municipal? technically municipal. Harding Park's municipal. Harding Park's municipal. Um, Beth Page. Beth Page Black, of sure. course. Uh, so we were in top 10. Um, and since then, we've kind of dropped down. A lot of it is just we don't have the name yeah. like Tory Pines or Beth Page does. Does that matter? Are those conversations had? Like, how, it's can, not, how can we get back in? You know, what can we do to yes get back no. in? We just need rated. I mean, that's how these rankings happen is the Golf Digest raters need to come out. Right. Um, so it's just, you know trying to get Raiders to come out. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really all it is. On that topic, like on a more of a broader question for any of the courses, really. Um, because the process of making improvements uh, at a municipality is, is quite different than even a privately owned public course, um, you know, wh- what would it take to, like, actually do, like, a course renovation Oof. at any of the courses? 
uh, needs assessment. I mean, it's, you know, with government, as I'm learning, you know, well, probably any business, you just don't want to jump into it. I mean, what yeah. is the reason you're doing it? What is right. the cost going to be? What is the impact going to be to the golfers? How long are you closed? What's the revenue impact? Um, nothing is a no. There just has to be a very good reason as to why and, and the hows and whys as to, you know, what's it going to take to. I just, I just find it interesting because there's so many, like you look at private golf and private courses uh, seemingly, you know, they do renovations, restorations. I don't want to say all the time, right, but, right, but, but, but a lot to, right. try to, to try to keep the course fresh, to try to keep up with the trends in golf sure. on, on, you know, what makes the best playing experience. And this isn't a Fairfax County thing. This is just municipal golf sure. in general. Like, you know, it, it seems like you have to move earth to try to, to, try to uh, uh, convince a, such a large municipality or, or bureaucracy, if you will, that like, hey, the, a cor- any, any municipal-run golf course could be better and impact our bottom line if it was just like we changed the design, like architecturally. No, absolutely. It's, that's always a thought is, you know, who's to say that Laurel Hill couldn't, you know, would, needs to go through a, a greens renovation or Pinecrest needs uh, better billy bunkers. That, so it's, it's really, it's, again, it's just doing the needs assessment. It's mm-hmm. figuring out, like, when Burke Lake, uh, rebuilt its clubhouse and renovated its driving range. That was a, a total loss of revenue for an entire golf season, if not longer. Um, and the county understood that that needed to happen to keep and to grow the revenue at Burke Lake. And How did they know that, though? Because they were getting feedback from golfers saying this is an issue? I'm guessing that it was just so old that yeah, it just yeah. needed it was to be done. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so you, but you did do some... And I say you, but, but you know Fairfax County uh, Park Authority did do some renovations to Jeff- Jefferson District Park. Yeah, that's the right. Yeah, just just this past year, right? Uh, yes. Again, I was still in my Laurel Hill bubble at that time, right. but I believe it was the bunkers. The uh, Kington yeah. uh, came in and, and um, redid the bunkers. So yeah. it, there that are, looks great. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are those things that are happening again. Um, you know, it's not really sexy, but again, you know, probably next on tap is doing a needs assessment of the irrigation. Um, so Laurel Hill is completed. Next is probably looking at Oakmar or Burke Lake to see what their needs are. And then, again, as I mentioned, Greendale has the, uh, the drainage issue. Um, so that is kind of happening on the, on the side, if you will. Um, so there are projects that are in the mixer that um, will happen. It's just mm-hmm. when. Yeah. Um, Greendale doesn't have a range. You, you mentioned the range is such a big moneymaker. Are those ever conversations about how, I mean, there's not, there's right. not any spare land over there. There but. isn't. Uh, so an idea actually recently that I have, and you know, looking back here at the Trackman room, is to um, do some, um, drawing a blank on the word, but to get Trackman. So using Greendale as the example, there's Lee District Rec Center literally half mile up the road. Okay. So is to get a Trackman room or more, a simulator room of some sort, not necessarily TrackMan, uh, put it in Lee District Rec Center, in, you know, uh, simulator brought to you by Greendale Golf Club, um, where lessons can, t- can take place, or um, you know, golfers that go and play Greendale can go to Lee District and uh, practice in the winter, just hit balls. Um, cool. So the idea is to kind of you know, take the... St. James, where they have their, their, mm-hmm. their simulator rooms, yep. is to do that, 
cross promotion. That's right. I was looking for. Sure. Right. <laughs> um, is to get golf into the rec centers, and I believe there's eight rec centers. So you know, that's you know maybe fifty thousand dollars to you know to get a fully um, operational simulator room in these rec centers, yeah. minus you know a few bucks here or there, depending on you know building walls and renovation. Yeah. But I love that idea. That's yeah. Because the other thing is, it's almost like a sneaky secret. This Pinecrest simulator. You look at some of the costs at some of the other simulator places around town. Great, this is the best deals right here. The room we're sitting in. Thirty-five bucks an hour. Can't beat that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine this is booked up pretty often. Yeah, as soon as we're done, someone's there's. I actually looked on the T-sheet. There's someone rolling in. Uh, so yeah, I bet. Yeah, thirty-five bucks an hour. That's, that's especially in the winter or on rainy days. We heavily market it. I mean, if we see a, a, a rain event coming in, yeah. we'll start putting out emails and. Twitters and all that stuff to get people in here. Well, let's give, I want to give each of the courses like some, some, some shine here and just kind of ask some questions. So let's talk Twin Lakes for a minute. Sure. So Twin Lakes, you got 36 holes, two 18 holes, the, the Lakes and the Oaks course. Anything, anything happening out there? Anything on the horizon as far as is it just more irrigation or any, uh, any, no, any conversations around Twin Lakes? No, Twin Lakes, uh, they had an irrigation project and bunker project three, four years ago. So they're, they're in good shape. We might... Uh, we're looking into um, uh, getting Bermuda grass on their driving range, so that would be, in theory, seven-day-a-week grass access, much like we did at Laurel Hill three, four years ago. Um, so that is potentially on, on the docket, if you will. Um, their pro shop went through a new renovation at Twin Lakes last season. Okay. Um, so they're, that's shiny and new. Um, so they're, you know... Um, Kind of did, did that update and are bringing in new new retail items um, and really uh, driving towards that that uh, area of business. I have noticed. You speak of that. You, you uh, the I don't know if it's you personally, but like I noticed this at Laurel Hill and I noticed it here that you guys have started to get pretty creative with some like some new T-shirt lines mm-hmm. of the golf courses that you don't see. Right. You know, typically at some of these courses, the retail offerings, especially like what you're wearing you know, leave, leave a little bit to be desired. But that's not been the case recently. I, yeah. I've seen, like, some, like some cool, I'm like, I was like, well, that's a cool T-shirt. That, yeah, like, it's, work. it's been a, a collaborative uh, um, um, project with, with all of our managers and buyers at the golf courses is to kind of think outside the box. You know, we're, yeah. it's, we're seeing a younger demographic starting to play golf, and I would guess that's nationwide. Sure. And they're not wearing the normal striped foot joy shirt or, or antigua or whoever it is so um you know specific to a course like this where there isn't a you don't have to wear a collar right nor should that be the case at any golf course but i don't want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> um but to just think outside the box and bring in some just cool trendy young yeah. retail items to kind of spur people to open up their wallets. You did something at Laurel Hill where you had some, got, brought some artists to come so, in and draw some par threes and put them on t-shirts? Yeah, so the idea there was to um, highlight our par threes, um, kind of, you know, in a way, kind of subconsciously leading towards the short course concept, uh-huh. uh, is to get each of our par threes painted by a local artist um, and then uh, put on a t-shirt. Uh, so we started with whole number four by a local artist and then we went to and those t-shirts um sold out and then we went to hole number 11 uh where we actually had uh not a local artist but dave Baston, mm-hmm. um out of 
he's in North Carolina. I believe so. Uh, a yeah. ve- very popular yeah. golf artist. Yeah. He's a great person. Um, and uh, we got that's f- fairly recent. So we got short sleeve shirts and long sleeve shirts for the fall winter. Um, with his, he did number eleven from the upper tee, uh, right behind ten or yeah, ten green. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a unique thing we we uh, did at Laurel Hill, and it's um, drawing some attention. Obviously, you nice. I it. noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, another another here's another question for you. Um, earlier, one of my first podcasts I did with uh, John Eisman mm-hmm. at, at Laurel Hill. Um, Eisman has he has the Eisman Golf Academy. It's, it's ma- mainly at Laurel Hill, but I know he, I think it, does he still have an outlet at Twin Lakes? Yeah, and that's actually where he got his start. Was oh, Twin he did. Lakes. Okay, yeah, that was his original um, landing spot with Fairfax County, um, and then realized that um, to get to it's a, it's a different demographic at Laurel Hill. So mm-hmm. he shifted his operation, uh, kind of headquarters, if you will, to Laurel Hill, and he's been there three, four years now, and he's actually expanding. Uh, so my question is almost generally just about that model, because also at Oakmar, is, is everybody golf everybody school? Everybody golf school. I mean, they've been there forever, right? They have been there forever, and they uh, both... But kind of like the question is kind of like about outsourcing that, you know, the instruction, because, uh, you know, a lot of municipalities... Or is that, I guess that's my question. Is, is that more common to outsource that part of the business, or to... to I don't do, know if the word's common or uncommon. It's, it's easier. Okay. Um... I mean, Eisman and Everybody Golf School, I mean, they are their own brand. They're known around the, the DMV, Northern Virginia. Um, Eisman himself is a top 10 golf digest instructor in the state of Virginia um, and has connections with PGA Tour uh, yeah. coaches. Um, but I will say that with Pinecrest and, and Burke Lake, um, they have their you know, county paid instructors They're on our payroll and they do quite a good business too, um, you know, uh, attracting new golfers or people that just want tuned up. Um, I mean, there's lessons that happen right here in the TrackMan room. Got it. So, and maybe that's just my uh, being naive, but so at Laurel Hill and Oakmar, for instance, or for example, mm-hmm. do they have their PJ pros there as well, giving lessons that are separate from Eisman and Everybody Golf School? No, that's not no. allowed. Once you uh, at those yeah, courses, correct. At those courses, you. you cannot have outside uh, because there is a contract, a oh, legally okay. binding contract with with those two companies. Um, other instructors outside of them can't come in and give instruction. Got it. I did see. I, the, so Eisen's getting ready to open up, uh, uh, expand. Yes, the he, big big new building at Laurel Hill. Even bigger than the one he currently sits in. So the current one, the the, the initial one, the first one is turned into a fitting studio, mm-hmm. um, fully equipped. I mean, every piece of equipment you can get to maneuver a golf club, uh, they have now. And then um, the newest building, which is set right next to it, will be two bays um, and will just be strictly teaching. There's a good follow on uh, on Instagram. For sure. Know, John, John Eisman, E-I-S-M-A-N. Pinecrest. We're at Pinecrest right now. It's a fun course. It's only about 10 minutes from my house. I play, yeah. I play, I play this a lot. Um, the uh, real busy here. It's, it's there's some funny. Com- this is this is more. This is a, this is more of a. It's not even really a serious question. <clears throat> the, there's some funny holes here at this course. <laughs> the, the, uh, the one I love is the fourth hole here. The fourth hole at Pinecrest is. It's got to be the shortest five, shortest par five. Maybe in America. <laughs> I don't know how many yards it is. Well, but it'll make but, you feel good then. 
but it's because it's a hole that it's positioned away. There's not a lot of real estate out here, right? Which is which is obvious how they have to do it. But if you you know if you're a big hitter, you can be within. You probably can drive to green. Uh, I don't know how how far it is, but um, I'm not sure you're energy either. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 a fun here. So I guess my I don't have any real 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 questions about Pinecrest necessarily, but um, a, just a broader question, you know, especially with um, tee sheets being so booked and, and and golf booming. You know, I just got back from the the, the NLT symposium uh, on municipal golf, where they've got all these different panels and discussions on how to ensure municipal golf is here long term sure. and. Prior to this golf boom, there was a lot of like alternative ways to use golf courses that were popping up, and they talked a lot about that at symposium. Because at some point, this golf boom is going to end, like right. foot golf, yeah, and you know, golf where you're, you know, I, I, I don't, I've never seen this in real life, but I saw this at the PGA show where it's like, it's almost like you're yep. shooting arrows, I've seen that. Um, not in person, but yeah, yeah. I, I, is, I guess my question is. Um, are these alternative forms of using golf course? Is this active conversation? You know, it's it, funny you say that. So Pinecrest did have foot golf. Oh, they did. Okay. Prior to the pandemic, prior to the boom, and we quickly realized that, and it was at a lower rate, a lower greens fee for the golfer than for the foot golfer compared to what an actual golfer was paying to play. So. We were getting less money for foot golf than we were for golf, and seeing the impact of the pandemic and the uh, demand to actually play the game of golf, um, we kind of put foot golf to the side and said we're just going to concentrate on golfers themselves getting tee time. So um, it was it was cool, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't. I mean, it, Pinecrest grew. Uh, Got more attention because of foot golf, but we we wanted to concentrate on golf and, and that revenue, not so much foot golf. And not only that, it takes a lot of work to get those big holes um, uh, dug up and put mm-hmm. in for the for the <laughs> soccer balls, and they're there, and the the actual hole is there, and you have golfers playing, and you have foot golf behind the golfers. It was just a strange yeah. mix. Um, so do you, do you you must get like just being and maybe you'll learn this as you get more seasoned into the job, but you must because it's a public entity and you've got seven properties and Fairfax is a huge county, you know, you must get people writing in or calling in or, or all the time about a million different ways they'd love to see these golf courses being used. Or is that not, not, as, the case? not as much as you think more Laurel Hill because of our membership than okay. anything. They were the most vocal, of course. Um, not a lot, just a few here and there, just more complaints than anything. But you, you know, we if, in, you know, in this business, you, you kind of grow thick skin and you, mm-hmm. you you take it all in stride. Um, there's we as operators, we know that a golf course needs. Go back to our earlier conversation. We need we know a golf course needs renovated or needs new bunkers or needs new irrigation, and it's it's again just doing that needs assessment and, and, and finding the funding for it. So. You know, you talk about, you know, you, you get some complaints, you know, the, the typical complaint with any public course versus non-public course, especially when times are good, is pace of play. Always. I mean, you, so, just forever and always. So how do, how do you... even private courses. Sure. Um, is it something that you're, that, that, has it become an issue in the last couple of years? No. No. 
No, we've... Is that one of the complaints you get a lot? Always. It's yeah. like we send out a, um, in fact, I was just working on it yesterday, a uh, voice of the golfer survey that gets sent out in the winter to all of our okay. 60,000 golfers in our database. Um, and they have the chance to voice their opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, a list of questions, some multiple choice, some uh, fill in the blank, um, and a lot of, you know, what, you know, what can you improve? So 60% of the answers are... are, are pace of play. I mean, it, yeah. everyone wants that, you know, if it's an 18-hole golf course, they want to play four hours or less. Sometimes that's doable. Sometimes it's just not. Yeah. Um, so that's forever and always will be complaint. And I think any golf operator, golf course operator, you know, would, would agree with that. So Laurel Hill, that project, I'm Laurel Hill, do you know what year it opened? Five. Oh, five? Yeah. But I mean, the project four. was probably approved long before that i was i was supposed so yeah yeah in the 90s or something so i guess my question is you got seven golf courses you know do you, can, can you envision or are there other are there has there ever been at least like early talks of hey maybe we should golf doing so well consider looking at, at property for an eighth that uh, i say it with a grin but no there has never been any conversations not that i know of, know of about that that'd be great but it's finding the land that's a lot of land yeah yeah, I mean, it helped that Laurel Hill was, you know, there was, there was a prison there. Yeah, that was. <laughs> helps when, 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 when something big the, shuts down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The county gobbled that up pretty quick, that land. Yeah. That, was that, that wasn't county land? Because it, it, it was a D.C. I, prison. I, it was a D.C. prison. I think was it was. D.C.? The, no, D.C. must have leased the land. I'm not sure how it all, yeah. how it all went down. I'm sure Stevie talks about it in his, in his yeah. article in the Golfer's For Journal, sure. probably. Um, well, let, let me ask you this. So, so, you're, so you're, you're new in the role. You've only been there for a few weeks. Like, do, you have, do you have marching orders? Not really marching orders, per se. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of each division director is kind of given the green light to just manage their business as gotcha. if it was their own. What are the other um, divisions? So there's uh, Park Services Division, which is more or less the rec centers. Okay. There's uh, Resource Management Division, which is um, the lakefronts, the parks. Um, those are the key... Uh, revenue driver, driving division. That's in the revenue fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the general fund, you've, you've got the planning and development. You've got uh, um, um, facility maintenance, um, a whole bunch of divisions. And yeah. then, the, you know, the support divisions, the HR, the, you know, administrative division, the um, equipment division. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different. Yeah. But I, I cut you off a little bit on, uh, on not necessarily marching orders, but, but you know. What yeah, so, I mean, I think I've mentioned it a few times. I guess a marching order I do have is to do a needs assessment. You know, I'm getting with the superintendents at each, seven, at each of the seven golf courses and finding out, A, their equipment wish list, their motorized equipment. What do they need? Um, any course improvement uh, assessments, again, going back to the irrigation part of it, um, which is, Again, you know, Oakmar and Burke Lake are probably the next up to get uh, go through an irrigation project, much like Laurel Hill did over the uh, late part of the summer. Um, so, again, not very sexy projects, mm. but projects nonetheless that will improve uh, the golf courses. You talked about this a little bit about how Fairfax, uh, Fairfax golf cor- County's golf courses have great practice areas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a really kind of a, 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 a plus for the seven properties. 
um, some more than others. But do you, is that something that that you know you you want to continue to invest in and, and oh for sure. And that's I had mentioned earlier getting uh, resodding the uh, Twin Lakes hitting stations, uh, getting that Bermuda so that uh, golfers have again in theory seven day access to grass tees rather than mm-hmm. hitting off mats throughout the, the busy season much like we did at laurel hill um a few years back and that we saw uh driving range revenue go up almost immediately when we got that grass out there uh for for grass access um for sure i mean that's partly why the burke lake was renovated a few years back and Oakmar, their driving range, um, their the actual grass was resodded to Bermuda. Um, not soon after Burke Lakes had reopened, we went straight to Oakmar and did that project. Um, so, practice or you know off course uh, improvement um, is certainly at top of mind, uh, not only with Fairfax County but across the country as we're seeing. Um. Could, could you envision, this is kind of a, out of left field question, but could you envision, I love the concept. I've only, I've only done it a couple times in my, in my golfing life, but uh, night golf. <laughs> yeah, I grew I, up playing a par three lighted <laughs> golf course. Um, I always, I mean, because, I mean, without knowing the ins and outs of it and, yeah. and you know, what the expenses of putting up lights, right. it seems like an easy way to create more revenue and more rounds of golf because you've got these hours where you can't sure. use the course. I'm sure it's a little more complicated than that. It's probably a little more complicated than that. Uh, not a topic of conversation that no one, you know, no one has brought up, you know, from the director's level down. Uh, I'm sure, and there's some, like, Pinecrest, you probably couldn't do it because the houses are right, right here. That's part of it, too. But, like, um, there are courses you could. Probably. I mean, probably more than likely, if, if any of the courses, if we were ever to do it, would be the par threes, you mm-hmm. know, the Burke Lake or Oakmar. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, who wants to, it's a novelty. Who wants to work till eleven o'clock at night? Well, that's you know, there's there's the other side <laughs> of the, the coin safety there. part of it. I mean, yeah. it's being open that late. You, just, you don't want to get into yeah. trouble. I can see that. We're going to wrap here. It sounds like we might get a, a fire alarm here in, in Pinecrest, <laughs> but uh, they're they're testing preventative out maintenance. There, there you go. Um, but this has been great. I appreciate you being so open and kind of sharing what's going on in your world and and in the Fairfax County Park Authority. Any closing thoughts on just, you know, we're in this golf boom happening really throughout the entire sport, not just locally, not just across the country, globally. Yep. Golf is as hot as it's ever been. Um, you know, it, you know where, do you, where do you see golf? Where do you see Fairfax County? You know, what's, what's five years, ten years? Any, any, any thoughts? Yeah, we're just riding the wave right now. I think everyone is and taking advantage of the increased rounds, demand, revenue, profit. Um, what we're really looking at, and you brought up the retail side of it a, a few minutes back, is really digging into the revenue drivers, such as retail and food and beverage and special events, that being weddings and parties, um, and really trying to grow those pieces. So when, but more than likely, or, no, or if, but more than likely when, the rounds start slowly um, going down, that we'll still have uh, those steady food and beverage and retail and event business still, you know, thriving um, throughout the potential downswing of rounds. But uh, I think every one, uh, every golf course operator globally um, is kind of anxiously waiting for the rounds to start dipping. But um, at least for Fairfax County, uh, we're staying steady compared to the last two years as far as rounds, which is just absolutely amazing. 
So we're mentally and, and kind of consciously preparing for the downswing, but it's not going to. We're not seeing it happening anytime soon. Not with the numbers we're seeing. Here's a, here's a final uh, question that you just brought up. That's that's also we haven't touched on. I'm just kind of curious, you know, where this falls into decision making. Um, food and beverage offerings at, at courses. Is that up to the to each individual manager of the course? Like It is. Yeah? Yeah, for the most part it is. Uh, I will say that, uh, thank you for bringing it up, Oakmar, that had zero food and beverage until last November, um, has now a food and beverage offering um, inside the clubhouse with hot dogs, and they just got a what's called a combi oven, a combo oven or combi oven. Um, that It's not a kitchen by any stretch. It's yeah. a very small clubhouse. Uh, but they now have a food and beverage offering. And um, so now every golf course has a food and beverage option of some sort uh, and also alcohol, <laughs> which is a need. So we all have. Uh, That's got to be a moneymaker. For sure. Yeah. So, and then weddings and parties. So Twin Lakes and Laurel Hill have banquet spaces um, and they do a very good business uh, with, with parties and weddings and outside groups coming in just. Uh, you know, social groups coming in just to uh, um, not golf, but have their their events at at both sites, which is you know having an event at a golf course is sometimes yeah, a desired thing for for some groups. All right, we'll leave it at that. I, I, we got uh, the next person coming into the simulator here at Pinecrest. I think in about five minutes, yeah. so we, we have to re, uh, relieve our time here. But this has been great. Thank you very much, Absolutely. Ryan. Thank Congratulations you. on you. the new role. Thank you. Uh, best of luck going forward. It's great. Thanks, right. Ryan. Thanks, man. I don't have. A good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a I'm a regular dude living in D.C. and I want to know about D.C. centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about D.C. golf. 